Hello and welcome to Killing It the Crimecast. I'm Lux. And I'm Sam. And it's my birthday. Happy birthday, Lux. All right, everyone who's listening to this podcast right now, yell happy birthday, Lux. I don't care if you're at work. I don't care where you are. I don't care that by the time this comes out, it won't actually I was be gonna Lux's say. birthday. But just yell it. Just scream it right now. And if you do, film it and send it to us. Oh, yeah, I like it'll, that. It'll be really funny. Yeah. We don't really have any housekeeping other than it's my birthday. Yeah. I got a really sweet book from my brother called Language, Ideology and Identity in Serial Killer Narratives. There's yeah. a photo of it on our Instagram. Go check it out if you want it. It was much money. It was, it was very money. Because I think it's an actual textbook for learning. But it looks real good and I've flipped through and I'm very excited to sink my teeth in. As you should be. Yeah. yeah so I don't really have any housekeeping either. I think we're just ready to go. Okay. Um, do you want to go first? Mm-hmm. Right, let's do it. Let's jump right in. Okay. I was born in Chicago 22 years ago today. <laughs> and so this is a Chicago case. Nice. Which is fairly well known, but I'm pretty sure you don't know it. They're called the Ripper Crew or the Chicago Rippers. Okay, no, I have no idea. Great. Here we go. May 23rd, 1981. 28-year-old Linda Sutton goes missing. Ten days later, the police responded to a call about a bad smell from a motel outside of Chicago. What was the smell, Sam? Uh, I'm going to go with dead body. Mm-hmm. I'm so good at this game when the answer is dead body. <laughs> when, the, when the whole concept is murder. <laughs> yeah, it's always dead. It's always a dead body. By the way, there is going to be more guessing as this goes along because it's there's, there's a fun bit at the end. Okay. okay. So... It was a dead body, and it was actually in the field behind the motel. She'd been handcuffed, stabbed, mutilated, and her breast had been amputated. Oh, I forgot content warnings. There's going to be sexual abuse and mutilation of corpses in my story. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, a bit late for that one. Yeah. So that case actually goes cold until a year later, when on May 15th, 1982, Lorraine... Borowski goes missing. Her body is discovered five months later in a cemetery in Clarendon Hills. May 29th, Shui Mack went missing. Her body was not found for four months. Oh, wow. Here's another guess for you. What do you think the occupation of these victims is? Um, I'm going to go with sex worker. Mm. Given that it's such a common theme. Mm-hmm. It's such a horrible thing, but it is a common theme. Because places where sex work is illegal, you tend to not tell people that you're doing it. So these bodies not being found for months and months later means that no one's really keeping tabs on them. And also they're going to meet strangers and not tell other people who the strangers are or where they're meeting them. Yeah, I I think we should avoid this topic because you and I both know that if we have a conversation about whether to legalize sex work, We'll just both agree with each other that it should be legalised given all the huge benefits. All I'm saying is all these victims are sex workers, as far as I am aware. I didn't read an article that said otherwise. And I just, it just, be be careful, be careful, lads. Because, um, yeah, easy access pretty much is is how they got these victims. Yeah. So two weeks after they abducted Shui Mack, Angel York was abducted by some men in a van. They handcuffed her and slashed her breast before throwing her out of the van, still alive. Oh, no. She survives. Oh, my God. But unfortunately, when she described the attackers, she couldn't 
provide enough information for it to actually give a lead. Yeah. Which is fair enough. I mean... I mean, she's in a... I don't blame her, man. Like, no, of course a, not. Like, you know, I doubt I'd be able to remember the facial features exactly of the man who's cutting part of my body off. Exactly, yeah. You're going to be closing your eyes and screaming in pain. Yeah. So, but she did survive, which is some good news from this story. But here's some more bad news. August 28th, 1982, Sandra Delaware's body is found on the bank of the Chicago River. She'd been stabbed, strangled, and her left breast was amputated. Are you sensing a pattern here? Yeah. Mm. Always cutting off a boob. Mm-hmm. Very geen. Very geen. September 8th, 31-year-old Rose Davis was found in an alley, having suffered almost identical injuries to Delaware. So very ritualistic, if you catch my insinuation. You're alluding to something. I am. December 6th, Beverly Washington was found by a ra- railroad track. In addition to her other injuries, her left breast had been amputated and her right breast was severely slashed. Oh my God. That's the end because she survived. Oh, what? And she was able to give a description of her attackers. What? And the van they had used to abduct her. Okay, this is... All right, okay, 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 okay. okay. Wait. Okay. (laughs) So this description led to the apprehension of Robin Gecht. Well, I think it's pronounced Get. It's G-E-C-H-T. Get. 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 I'm just going to say get. get. Get's fine. So Get was happily married with three children, very BTK, having a double life. And he was working in construction. Here's the fun guess. Okay. Guess who his boss was? John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy was his boss. No way! Yeah. Oh my God, John Wayne Gacy was his boss. Yep. Oh my God, that's so cool. I know! What? There, there, there is no connection between Gacy's crimes and Get's crimes, but it's it's a crazy coincidence that he happened to work for Gacy. That is insane. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's such a cool little I thing. I wonder if they went to the same prison and were like, bros, I should have looked that like up. They noticed really. each other. Oh, hey. Oh, I know you. What did you do? And oh, sweet. I did this. Oh, I did the same thing, but with boys. Yeah. Fuck. It's a cool coincidence, isn't it? That's really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, no, apparently there's been a lot of speculation about whether that's where he got his ideas or blah, blah, blah. But apparently it's just a coincidence. It's not really I mean, anything. as far as you've described it, mutilation, female victims, doesn't sound similar. It's going to get very dissimilar in a bit as well. So, he'd also been accused of molesting his sister when he was younger and... Maybe that was, I didn't find much about his early life. So maybe that was one of the signs that he would end up this way. But that's the only sign that I found on any source in the internet. I'm sure one exists, but not one that I read. Yeah, fair enough. So they apprehend him based on this description of the van and the men that, that attacked Delaware. But they almost released him because there was no evidence other than this eyewitness testimony, they were all set to release him. And then, I can see you holding your breath. And then the manager of a motel came to the police and said, yeah, you know, you've got this guy Get in cult custody. I think he's involved in a cult. Is this another cult? Yeah. Oh, man. I okay, love I'm not, a cult. I think, I think, I love, I love that. I think cults are really interesting. You can keep doing And cults. also, I mean, I'm not going to do a cult every week. And I've done it in a different style this week anyway. I might do a cult. Don't, don't, cults aren't your thing. <laughs> you can't, my thing. You can't take cults as yours. I'm not, 
It's my birthday. I can do what I want. Actually, that's fair. <laughs> you take Colts. Thanks, babe. So, Get had rented a small room in the motel with three friends, each with adjoining rooms. The friends were Edward Spritzner and brothers Andrew and Thomas Cocolores. Some very difficult to pronounce names, clearly. I probably did it wrong. So there's no evidence, right? Then this guy comes, the motel guy comes and says, well, I think he might be in a cult because all these lad, three lads do weird shit. I don't really know. So they take these these three men in and ask them about Get, and they immediately confessed to the murders and turned on Get. <laughs> oh, fuck. Pretty much immediately. So, so not quite the charismatic leader he hoped he was. There was no evidence. He could have been... He, he, he could have been let go. That's the thing. If oh these people God. hadn't turned on him. So they confessed and said that the four of them would drive around in their van looking for sex workers. They'd pick them up, put them in the van, take them to Get's apartment. And Get apparently called his, his flat the Satanic Chapel. The Satanic Chapel. And he'd built a temple in his attic. The room was painted red with six red and black crosses. And Can I was, just say, yeah. I love the word chapel. Because it sounds like a sort of a young Englishman. Like a hello. chappy. Hello, I'm a chap and this is my chapel. And this is a, my little chaplet and my chapette. This is my son and daughter. I was trying to be clear. I was trying to be funny. You ruined it. I don't know why. I can't think of the no. word chapel without thinking of like a baby in a suit. I like that a lot. Yeah. And, and his dad's a, a chap, but the baby's a chapel. Yeah. He, if your dad's a chap, you, 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 you're, you're a, a chapel. chapel. Yeah. I quite like that. This is much more morbid, though. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I ruined the tone. Please continue. <clears throat> the room was painted red with six red... No, six white and black crosses. And there was an altar that he'd covered with red cloth and he'd filled the room with candles. So very much a 16-year-old boy's idea of what a cult room looks like. Yeah. So they'd take victims to the attic and then Get would stand over them and read passages from the Satanic Bible whilst the three other men would rape and torture the victim. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. How how old are all these guys? Uh, Roughly. I don't actually... I think they're in their 30s, but in I don't... Th- like, they're, they're I didn't write it down, I'm afraid. Yeah, they're adults. They're adults. Okay. They would remove the victim's breast with a wire garrote while she was still alive, oh. and then they'd masturbate into the amputated breast. Oh, my God. They'd then cut it up and eat it. When you said content warnings, yeah, I feel like that's a content warning. I mean, I said mutilation of a body. Yeah, but come on, cannibalism, sex rituals. Yeah, I should have. Sorry, Jesus oh. <laughs> Christ. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, okay. Gross, right? And then I, I read an interview where they asked Get why, and he was basically his answer was just sort of just cause. For the it lols. wasn't. It wasn't really an interesting answer. It was just him, just sort of being like, "Meh." They were just like, "Why did you horrifically chop off these women's breasts and masturbate?" Oh no, it wasn't Get. Sorry, it was sexualistic Edward. ritual. And he's just like, "Yolo." I think it's because Get told him to. Because this was actually Edward Spritzer that was asked. Okay. Um, because Get, as you'll find out later, says nothing. Oh, okay. So yeah, Edward Spritzer. Well, I just was... found that out now because you told me. Yeah, but I'll go into more detail. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so Spritzer and the Cockerellis brothers claimed that Get had supernatural powers and could make them do anything he wanted them to. Clearly not stay silent when interrogated by the police, though. Yeah, that's a power that was um, left out by Satan. Yeah. Didn't eat enough titties. <laughs> I was only three away from abstaining from confession. 
that, that was the next page. I was about to level up. <laughs> I was about to evolve. I hit level 32. <laughs> so he always maintained his innocence and said that he never murdered or tortured anyone himself and that he didn't force anyone else to either. And there wasn't actually enough evidence to convict him of murder. But fear not, he got sentenced for attempted murder and rape, presumably because of the two victims that survived and because of the testimony from the three other men. Yeah. And he was sentenced to 120 years. Wow. So they... That mofo is... is, is they, So there was yeah. like there was like an attempted murder charge and they were like, we're so sure that you did murder these people. We're going to give you the, the sentence of someone who murdered someone without the crime. Or what they did is they just got testimony of however many rapes and just made them consecutive. Yeah, they probably gave us the worst possible sentence. For each crime. For every single individual exactly, crime. Exactly, yeah. That's what I think they did. So... Thomas Cockerellis evaded the death penalty because he cooperated with the police. Andrew Cockerellis and Edward Spritzner, I don't know how to pronounce that name, there's no N in it, he, they were sentenced to death and Andrew was executed in 1999. Spritzner, however, was still on death row in 2011 when Governor Pat Quinn um, commuted, that's the word, <laughs> it said commented because it autocorrected. Autocorrect. Oh, damn you commuted all death row sentences in Illinois. So he's now serving life without parole. Okay. Yeah, that's the end. That's the end. That wasn't a that wasn't a super long one. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to cover it because it's the most, other than Gacy, it's the most obvious Chicago case. And it was super interesting and I love cults and it's my birthday, so shut up. I, I will accept the final explanation. Mm-hmm. It is your birthday, mm-hmm. so I will shut up. But in fact, I'll do the opposite and I'll just tell my story. Yeah. So this it. will be a slightly shorter episode, but you'll have noticed that from the time, yeah. presumably, unless mine goes on crazy long. But we'll find out. Oh yeah, you've got free reign now. You can do whatever you want. Tangents, all of that. I might have a 16 minute, minute jazz odyssey just in the middle. No. I might. <laughs> no. I know it's your birthday, but it was a short story, so I could just play some jazz. What if I say no? I'm going to insert jazz noises now. Yeah. So we get jazz noises, but no birthday noises. Enjoy- All right then. You, I'll get another. I'll get a birthday noise on top of other jazz noises now. I'm committing myself to a lot of stuff in post. Yeah, you are. Editing is going to be a nightmare Birthday for you. and jazz noises. That's going to be two clips. I'm not going to find that clip on its own. No, you're not. Why don't you tell me about your case after a short break? Okay, and uh, we're back. And I'm going to tell you my tale. So this is the tale of Archibald Thompson Hall. I love it. He's a... Like, is it a British case? Yeah, it's 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 UK. Nice. And it takes place in London, but he's he's Scottish. Okay. Because in my head, when I found the guy, uh, and I read a lot of the information before I read about him, it was like, Archibald Thompson Hall at your bloody service. Especially since his killer nickname is the Monster Butler. The Monster Butler. So he's like, oh, the Monster Butler. Da- oh, master, would you like some death with your tea? <laughs> Like, you know, shit like that. I thought it was going to be crazy. But no, he's a Glaswegian, which is really cool. How do you even say Archibald in a Glaswegian accent? Archibald. Archibald. I think you'd like sort of just drift off at the end. Instead of bald, you'd say bald. Archie. I feel like it's... Little Archie. Oh, no okay. problem, yeah. pal. It's just little that. Archie running around, serving people cups of tea. All of that stuff. But anyway, so uh, content warnings, not none. 
he just murders. It's just a really interesting story. Okay. It's just, uh, you know, it's Mine death. was less of a story and more of a list of victims and then they were in a cult. Yeah, it was a list of victims and just like, this is what we did with the body parts. I did search, but none of the, none of the sources I found particularly wanted to go into the cult stuff. Which pissed me off. Yeah, fair enough. So it was I, a satanic cult. But I, yeah, I was sort of set on it. I yeah. really liked the case. I understand. So. It's all right. It's yeah. your birthday. It's my birthday. You could have just gone. I don't want to do a story today, and just sort of like I want to eat chocolate and be tickled, and just lie on a sun lounger with sunglasses, being fed grapes by a small European boy. You could have done whatever you wanted. I could have. Although I, it's almost the end of the day now. Though. I've ruined it. I don't I've drive. I don't drive, so I would have struggled to find the European boy. Mm. I could shave my sister's head. She's European. Well, I mean, and also technically, until Brexit, I'm a European boy. Ah. So I could have fed no, you grapes. No, you'll still be Europe. You just won't be part of the European Union. I mean... Britain's still in Europe, so we're still still European. I mean... Did I just... You did just, I just blew my mind a little yeah. bit. Um, I thought England was being pulled away with cranes. <laughs> I thought England was sort of being dragged away like a sort of giant landmass aircraft carrier but it's just carrying assholes. Um, anyway, right. Us so included. We're going to go into Archibald Thompson Hall. I am going to refer to him as Archie. All right. Or Hall. Okay. Either or. Um, Archibald is just, it, it gives him too much grandeur for what he did. And also, it's just horrible to say, Ball. Archibald. So, early life. He was born in Glasgow on the 17th of June, 1924, into poverty, essentially. He was very, very poor. Um, not a lot about his family is known, uh, not a huge amount about his early life. We knew he had a brother, which comes into the story a little later, but, um, yeah, that's kind of it. Like he just was a very poor boy living in Glasgow. But what we do know is he became a bit of a troublemaker. A little bit of um, a troublemaker. He got into like petty theft and also what, what would happen a lot in his later life is like confidence tricks. Um, he committed one of the most British scams when he was very young. When he was like 14, 15. He had two collection tins for the Red Cross, mm. one for small change and one for like paper money. Mm. And he'd go around collecting money and just keeping the paper money. Real what sneaky. Bastard. Yeah, I know. In 1940, when he was 16, he was uh, unfortunately solicited into sex by a much older divorced woman who was one of Hall's neighbours. 16. At 16, yeah. Mm. So he he was still, you know old enough to have sex. He was a teenager. But yeah, that's the legal age for uh, he was, consensual he sex. He was definitely being led on and sort of used somewhat and manipulated by this older woman who was a neighbour. Yeah. Um, she was also a lot more well-off than Archie. And she introduced him to sex and also something that's very important. She introduced him to a higher echelon of living, like a higher... The high life, essentially. Mm. And he would, like, yearn for this his entire life. Yeah, you get a taste of it and... Exactly. He grew up incredibly poor. I think, I'm guessing the neighbour, by neighbour, it was, like, a little in the same area. Because, obviously, like, she would have lived in a much nicer house. Yeah. And he got a taste of this life and he really wanted to continue it. I mean, I don't blame him. Yeah, exactly. He would receive his first of several prison sentences for theft and scams. Uh, one of the ones, he was attempting to sell some jewels he had stolen in London. Uh, he'd stolen them in Glasgow, then he'd gone down to London and tried to sell them. Oh, right. People were just like, I know these jewels. They're Scottish jewels. Uh, or something like that. Um, yeah, how did he get caught? I think they just knew he was... I mean, he's like... What, I think he was like 17. Yeah, He just turns enough. up with a bunch of diamonds. They're just like, yeah, I don't trust this. Yeah, these like are a, not yours. A young, poor Scottish boy shows up being like, you know, pal, I've got these 43 carat diamonds in that 
platinum ring. And they're just like, yeah, this definitely isn't yours. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Not exactly hard to crack that yeah. case. He'd also pretend to be a member of aristocracy or a wealthy American in an attempt to trick people into giving him, like, money. A wealthy American? Yeah, it says wealthy American. So like, a Scottish man would put on an American no, Yeah, accent. I think, I picture one of two things. I picture, like, a super posh, like, like upstanding American, like, Hi there, kid, my name is Archibald. I have a business proposition for you. I'm very wealthy, let me assure you. Do you not worry about that? I have many dollars. I am flush with dollar. Don't you worry, sir. You have an amazing opportunity right in front of you. Like I, I love that. that that's what you think, rich Americans. <laughs> yeah, and then like a rich, but then the other one is like a rich rich Texan who's like, howdy, y'all, my name's Archie. You want to invest in my oil farm? Because <laughs> I'm extremely wealthy, but I do need more money to f- feed my oil cows. I know what accent I'd do if I was trying to pretend to be a wealthy, a wealthy American. What would you do for a wealthy American? I am American, but if I was a... An American if you sounded like living one. person. I'd pretend to be a, a California. I'd be like, oh my God, don't you just love these diamonds? Yeah, they're my mom's, but she died. I mean, I pretend to be Audrey Hepburn. You know, that wasn't a real accent. Audrey Hepburn's No, I accent, know. I was going like, to say, that's, how do you even emulate that accent? It's just a weird voice. Yeah, no, it was like, no, that was an accent that was in loads of films. And it was created specifically for the films. Like a sort of hybrid British-American accent. I don't like it. Yeah, I know. But it's soup. it screams wealth. I mean, let's be fair. Yeah. Um, he clearly, like, having grown up in poverty, was really obsessed with pretending to be someone else. And he wanted to switch lives and he wanted to have this rich life. Um, what shows this, like, is more, like, what even strengthens this idea more is while he was in prison, he studied antiques. He learned the etiquette of the Smart. aristocracy. Smart. And he also took elocution lessons to make his Glaswegian accent less pronounced. Smart. Smart boy. Yeah. Uh, he was in and out of prison constantly. Uh, one of his sentences was for dual thievery, another one. Dual thievery. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison in 1964 when he was 40. So you see, we made this big jump. Essentially between 16 and 40, he was just in and out of prison, uh, learning about the high life and how to interact and how to assimilate himself with the upper echelon of society and also just confidence tricks and being in prison. Um so when he was 40, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. He actually escaped from prison during this sentence, but was recaptured in 1966, and five years were added to his sentence. Do you know how he escaped? Is there a fun escape story there? No, no fun escape story. Mm. I, th- I reckon he just got out. Gate was open. Just He was just like, boys, that gate's just open over there. Do you think the guards would notice if we just slid outside? I think they did, and they caught him. But he was out for two years or something like that, which is not bad. Yeah. Uh, or a well, year I'm quite or so. impressed by this But man. like the five years he added to his sentence didn't really do much because in 1972 he was paroled, which is only six years after he went in. Right. But he was still paroled. And um, after what, during this time he met his mistress, an Irish woman named Mary Coggle. Is he married at this point then? No. Well, how is she a mistress? It's just a mistress. Oh, no, he was married at one point. Yeah, sorry, I think it was his mistress then. Oh. He was very briefly married. And I don't know if they overlapped, though. But the sources also referred to her as a mistress. So perhaps they had a thing before he was married. His marriage lasted like a year. Right. It it wasn't a long-lasting thing. Maybe because of Mary Coggle. Quite possibly. Mary Coggle! I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm very prepped for doing an Irish serial killer. I've had an Irish accent in the bag for a while. Do you have one in mind? No, I don't. There's not a lot of them. Message in if you, if yeah, you have if one you know, time to do. Please, genuinely, guys, if you know about an Irish serial killer that actually has 
any reasonable amount of information about them, please send it in. I'd love to do it because I want to do an Irish accent so bad. And I'm not going to waste it on an episode about a bloody Glaswegian. Um, so also uh, in an homage to an Albert Hitchcock character named Joan Fontaine, he changed his name, not legally, just socially. Mm. He changed his name to Roy Fontaine. Such which is a actually, fancy name. I know, it's very fancy. Very fancy. And it sounds like the um, rich American I was talking about. I imagine that, yeah, hi, yeah. I'm Roy Fontaine. Welcome to my casino, ladies. I don't know. Yeah. I just picture that's the voice that Roy Fontaine should have. I agree. He's a smart boy. Changing um, his name. Yeah, Good exactly. start, elocution, he's, antiques stuff. I mean, he's not that smart. He's been in and out of prison all the time. If he was real smart, he wouldn't have got caught. Yeah, that's true. But the smartest ones we never learn about. You never know. <laughs> It's, it's ironic that we will never be able to discuss the best serial killers. Yeah, exactly. Unless, <gasps> what if in like 10 years time, someone leaves like a note because they're dying or whatever. I was just like, oh yeah, and, that was me. And in their will or something, oh they leave, they say, go to this place and read the note. And then they're, they're like, you know, all this string of murders that happened in this place at this time. That would be amazing. And maybe like, oh, maybe like a tape recorder of their voice detailing the murder so that they know it's not, the police know it's an actual lead, not just a fake. You're someone me, someone write me, this movie. You're getting me way too excited. I'm going to get back to the story. Yeah, sorry. That is obviously not as insane as that story. You just totally blew my story out of the water. No, I'm joking. My you story, might as well just stop now. My story is awesome. During the time he was in and out of prison, he would get jobs as a butler for the rich and famous. I didn't see that coming. No, you didn't. I did not. See I was going to say he got a job as a monster. <laughs> no, um, I guess this is a way he could like feel close to the life he desperately wanted. Um, with the lessons on elocution and etiquette, it gave him like experience. Yeah. So he was able to be a butler for the real rich and famous. But a year into little old Archie's freedom, uh, he went straight back into the slammer, uh, right back into prison. What did he do? Uh, basically, just stealing. Always, it's always just stealing. Just save and up lying. and then buy the fancy things, or make friends with the rich old ladies that you're being a butler for. Then when they die, they'll leave stuff yeah, to you. Man, it's Stupid. just like he's just you know he just keeps stealing shit. But this prison stint ended in 1977. He was let out and got a job working as a butler to Lady Hudson, the widow of an MP near London. Really? Yeah. Which MP? Lady Hudson. Are you sure it wasn't just a lord? Someone in the House of Lords? And not no, it was an MP. Ah who may have also been a lord. But she was certainly a lady, um, in both senses of the word, because she was female and a lady. And a lady! So while he was working for Lady Hudson, <laughs> uh, an old prison buddy named David Wright came to visit. And David started to do odd jobs around the house. Uh, I'm sure David Wright got this job because he was the right man for the job. Oh! <laughs> That's the sort of joke I would make. Your, your standards are slipping. I know, slipping. It, it's slipping a lot. Gold star jokes aside, he was definitely not the right man for the job. Um, Archie started to notice that a bunch of jewellery was going missing, most notably a silver ring. Uh, Archie got really annoyed because it turned out he actually really liked working for Lady Hudson. Right, I'm going to do that every single time oh, I say Oh, please it, do. Um, he actually really enjoyed it. He started with the intention of like robbing her, but he really liked her and he really liked his job. So okay. he was like, no, I don't want to. I want to keep working for her. Yeah. And basically, he wanted to go on the straight and narrow. like, And he didn't like that his buddy was jeopardising his job and his future crime-free life. So what he did was he found out that Wright's girlfriend had the ring um, and he persuaded her to give it back. 
And Wright got really pissed off about this because Archie spoke to her without speaking to him and he was going to sell the ring and the other jewellery and Wright was like, why are you cramping my style? I'm going to sell this old lady's jewellery. And basically, Wright threatened Archie that if he steps out of line again, he would tell Lady Hudson about his criminal past. Because obviously, he's going around as uh, Roy Fontaine. Yeah. And he doesn't know who he is. He's going to be like, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell Lady Hudson. I'm bored of doing that. I'm going to stop doing it. I might keep so, doing it. So they were friends in prison and now... They were acquaintances Wright in prison. Wright is sort of he fucking him over. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Yeah. Um, so a couple of nights later, because uh, Wright was really pissed off, uh, Archie was in bed But sleeping. he didn't have any right to be. <laughs> no, Very but legit, good. he shouldn't have been pissed off. Like yeah, he really shouldn't. He just got caught stealing. He should have been like, yeah, lol, here it is. Yeah, he doesn't... Take he, it back. I don't think he was the, you know, the brightest of the bunch. But a couple of nights later, Archie was in bed sleeping and he was woken up by a loud bang. Archie looked up and saw Wright standing above his bed pointing a rifle at him. Oh shit. The the bang was a shot that Wright had fired into the headboard just above Archie's head. Uh, as late, a warning shot or by accident? As a warning shot, I'm okay. sure, to wake him up. Lady Hudson was out of town and Wright had downed a hell of a lot of her fancy ass champagne. Um but then again, knowing it was England in the 70s, it was probably Baby Sham, which is just like this crappy champagne, like fancy air quotes Isn't that champagne. shoe brand? No, Baby Sham was like a champagne sparkling wine brand that just took over the UK and America, to be honest. Oh. And it was just crap. It was just really bad wine. What? But they had great That'll be why I've never heard of it. Oh. <laughs> uh, Wright jabbed the barrel of the rifle at Archie's face and hit him hard. Uh, after a long time, Archie finally managed to calm Wright down and send him to bed. Uh, clearly, after a good night's sleep, uh, Archie and Wright woke up feeling refreshed, fancy, and without a care in the world. So they decided, as good buddies do, to go out hunting rabbits. No, with a man who just tried to shoot you the day before? Uh, yeah. Neither of them are that bright then, apparently. I know, right? Uh, they fired a bunch of shots at rabbits, and Archie made very sure that Wright was out of bullets. And he pulled a Dick Cheney on him. He lifted his rifle and shot Wright square in the head. Nice. Killing him instantly. Do you not just say nice? He just killed a guy. Um, the guy was a drunk a thief. It's a sweet move. It's a badass move. Yeah. yeah. The Dick Cheney was like, I thought it was a deer. Like, that's the Dick Cheney move. And he was just like, you know, he did it clean. So maybe he is smart. He's smart. Oh, he's definitely okay, smart. my bad. My bad, my bad. He's definitely smart. I thought he he's- was going to get shot. No, no, he wasn't. Uh, Archie dug a shallow grave in the bed of a stream and buried the body. Soon after this, I don't know if they're like related to the crime or not, but Lady Hudson found out about Archie's past and let him go. It was just like, you know, she just actually kicked him out and was just like, she found out who he was and was like, nope, can't work for me anymore. Fair enough. Yeah, fair decision. Uh, Archie then moved to London and began working for an 82-year-old man named, this is an incredible name, Walter Travers Scott Elliot. That is a good name. Yeah, and his wife, Dorothy Scott Elliot. He's got four first names. Walter Travers Scott Elliot. No, Elliot's the last name. No, his name's Walter, middle name Travers, yeah. last name Scott Elliot. It's double barreled, obviously. Well, yeah, he's so, so he's not got four first names. He's, he's got, got four first, they're all first names. That's like what Scott he's got called. two first names, but all of his names sound like first names. They don't just sound like first names, they're the names. It's like if, it was called, if I was called Sam Dave. Yeah. You know, they're all first names. All right. Um, so, uh, Archie, at this point, is important to note that, uh, well, it's not that important, but it's important to him as a character, like what he was doing mm-hmm. in London. One of the reasons he really wanted to move into London is because Archie was openly bisexual. 
and he jumped headfirst into the London gay scene, uh, which were clearly very ready for an attractive Scottish bisexual man. Of course. Um, He had a number of affairs with many different fellas. Uh, You know, to be honest, like, go for it, dude. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. But the only issue is that he also was scamming loads of people and was using his access in the gay scene to become trusted and was using that to scam people. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I know, it sucks. So Fuck off. Yeah, I know, right? It's just so super horrible. Um, Archie, after I liked working, it. I was liking him. Yeah, I know, right? You're going to stop liking him, I Oh, promise. of course. Archie, after working as a butler for a short time, realised that Walter Travers Scott Elliot had a number of incredibly valuable antiques. We're talking priceless antiques. We're talking, I'm going to sell this and buy an island antiques. Jesus. Yeah. Um, Archie decided that he was going to perform the classic movie trope of being the guy who just got out of prison who's going to do one final job before going straight. Oh, yeah. Uh, He was going to steal a couple of these antiques and retire. Um, So basically, when he was meeting his lady friend, Mary Coggle, Mm -hmm. in a pub... He's still with her? Yeah, he's still with her. I mean, only when he's not in prison. He, uh, He met a gentleman named Michael Kitto. Now, Michael Kitto is going to become his partner in crime, along Mm. with Mary Coggle. Really? She gets involved. Okay. So, Kitto was a pretty rough kind of guy as well. He was a petty thief, and um, the three of them chatted at a couple of pints and decided they were going to burgle the house together. Uh, So, Mrs. Scott Elliott, or Dorothy, who's, I feel so bad for this couple, because they seem really lovely. Mm-hmm. Dorothy had to go to a nursing home for a couple of days. So on the 8th of December, 1977, a month after starting the job, Archie took Kitto round the house to like case the joint and potentially take the stuff right there and then. Mm. He didn't know that dear old Dorothy had come home earlier that day. Archie opened the door to the bedroom, expecting to find Walter fast asleep, conked out, but he was greeted by an angry Dorothy who was asking him why he was there and who this stranger was. Oh no. In a panic... Archie grabbed a pillow and suffocated Dorothy. Horrible. Now, this is sad, but after this, it turns into a fucking pantomime. Like, it's it's an absolute farce. Like, it's literally, think about the Shakespearean farce of what happens and, like, misplaced identities. It turns into this Very Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, right? So they decided to make it look like an accident. So they attempted to put Dorothy back into bed but Walter woke up. Oh my God. Yeah. Archie told him he had a nightmare and he should go back to sleep. And Walter was like, uh, okay. And did, right? What? Went back to sleep. The next day, presumably thinking that his wife was still asleep, Walter went to the country club to have lunch and Kitto and Mary Coggle decided their best option in order to deal with this, their best course of action was to increase Walter's daily dose of medicine so he would be so out of it that Mary could pretend she was Dorothy. No. Yeah. Right. Do they even look slim? She's got an Irish accent. She doesn't look any... She's like 40 and Dorothy's like 80. Right? Yeah. Bloody hell. Okay, so this is just ridiculous. They then put the real Dorothy's body into the car, into the boot Mm. of their car. That they uh, And basically, they took Walter to a cottage in Cumberland that Archie had rented. Great sausages in Cumberland. Let's oh, our favourites. All right, but this is the situation, right? In this car, on the way to this cottage, is Archie driving, Walter absolutely sourced out of his mind on medication, 
Maggie in the back wearing Dorothy's clothes and a mink coat and a wig and Dorothy's body in the trunk. My God. That, a, you're right. It's it a is farce. A it's literally a farce, right? So they buried Dorothy's body near Loch Urn and drove back to the cottage. They left Walter with Maggie, still pretending to be his wife. And he was buying it? Yeah. Wow. He was totally on board. He was conked out, mate. He was so fucked up. Yeah. Right? He's 82 and they've like tripled his meds. He's out of it completely. Um, Archie returned to London to meet with Kitto to ransack the house. They did so. Then they drove back up to the cottage to pick up Walter and Maggie and drive further north. Kitto decided it was time to get rid of Walter. Mm. And this is sad because Walter, up to this point, has been just such a lovely dude. Yeah. In my head, he's just a, a lovely old war vet who's just come back and he's just like... Hello there, I'm Walter Trevor Scott, whatever my name is. And it was just like, oh, you absolute gem. So what they did was they tried to strangle him. Now this is awesome. And this is like the last hurrah of Walter. He is drugged up as hell and he's like 82. Mm. They, he fought back and they literally, two men couldn't strangle him. Nice. Absolute hero, Walter. Uh, unfortunately... The alternative to this was they beat him to death with a shovel and then used that shovel to dig his shallow grave. So it gets really sad, but like Walter... Good on him for fighting Walter, back man. then. I, I think that's amazing. In, in, he still, he wasn't, he was so messed up on drugs mm. that I'm so impressed. Mm. It is amazing. Uh, the next day, Archie and Mary started having a massive argument. Again, like a fucking farce. Mary refuses to take off Dorothy's clothes. She's just like, no. I like them. She wanted the mink coat and the jewellery. Like, she wanted to wear it. And apparently, she was, like, drawing attention to herself because there's three people, two of whom are just normal dudes, and one of them is literally just, like, in a mink coat with a wig covered in jewellery. Yeah. Right? And Archie obviously wants to get rid of the evidence. Yeah, of course. So they had a violent row when they got back to the cottage, which ended with Archie hitting Mary over the head with a fire poker. Jesus. Putting a plastic bag over her head and holding it until she died. So he's just screwed over this woman he's been dating for however many years. Yeah. Um, Archie and Kitto then dumped her body in a stream under a bridge and drove away. I think it's really odd. Um, all the other victims, they dig a grave, even a shallow grave. But for her, they just dumped the body. The first one? Yeah, he dug a grave. In a stream, you said, though. Yeah, he dug a grave in a stream. Like, he dug out the base oh, of the stream. Oh, but with hers, they just it threw up, it in. So it's harder to find. They, they just dumped her. So a couple of weeks passed without incident, but then Archie and Kitto decided to return to the lodge with Archie's brother, Donald. Why would you involve more people? Donald Hall. Now, there's not a lot of information about why they brought him, but I have an idea, which is, I believe they actually took Donald to the lodge to kill him. Because, first off, he had been asking a lot of questions about Archie's newfound wealth. Ah. And secondly... Donald also had a criminal record for thievery, same as Archie, but he also had it for child molestation. And Archie genuinely ref- like hated him and thought he was a pervert. Right. And thought he was a fucking horrible paedophile and had clearly been looking for an excuse to get rid of him for a while. Right. So when they arrived at the cottage, Archie rendered his brother unconscious with chloroform and drowned him in the bath. So there's no consistent motive. It all seems to derive from asphyxiation, though, except for Walter, which was out of necessity. So 
Do you mean MO rather than yeah. motive? Sorry, not motive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no sort of like method mm. consistently. Although it seems like he seems fine with death because strangulation is such an intense... Yeah. Asphyxiation of any kind is such an intense way to kill it's, someone. It's quite literally a very hands-on yeah. and job. And that seems to be his approach. At least with his brother, he renders him unconscious first. Yeah. Um, the next day, January 15th, 1978, they drove north looking for somewhere to dispose of the body. It had been snowing... And the ground was frozen, so they decided to spend the night in a hotel. Why they didn't just go back to the cottage, I don't know. Literally have no idea, right? But obviously they were like, let's get a hotel. Um, the hotel proprietor was suspicious about the two guests because he thought they looked shady as hell and was worried he wouldn't get paid for the room. Right. So he called the police. Just because they looked shady? Yeah. Or he informed the police, hey, there's these two real shady guys. Do you want to check them out? Right. Um, the police noticed that the tax disc and the license plate didn't match on the car. Mm -hmm. That's all that gave it away. And basically they took Archie and Kitto and their car to the police station to only 200 meters away. That's another reason why the police probably visited because it was so close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, this is when the police opened the trunk and found the body of Donald Hall. Kitto was arrested, but Archie managed to escape through a bathroom window in oh, the police shit. station. Oh, shit. Like, very soon afterwards, he was captured at a roadblock and he was arrested. The police traced his car back to Walter and Dorothy's house and found it completely ransacked. Mm -hmm. And also, like, spots of blood from the altercation that he had with Dorothy. Yep. Uh, and also, obviously, spots of blood potentially from where Archie was hit in the head with the gun when David Wright tried to yep. kill him. Um, with this and some other evidence from witnesses who saw two men, Archie and Kitto, and a woman, Maggie, on their way uh, north to stop at the hotel and then only two men on the way back down. Yeah. So that was suspicious. Archie tried and failed to commit suicide in custody, but then uh, he confessed to all the crimes and showed police where the bodies were. Kitto and Archie were charged with five murders. Kitto was given life in prison and the judge said that he was lucky to be able to go on trial. And I agree with the judge. He was lucky to go on trial because Archie was almost definitely going to kill him as well. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the, that was the last loose end. Yeah. That was literally the last loose end. Um, Archie was given life in prison as well, which is a 15 year minimum sentence in Scotland, but the judge recommended he never get let out. Yeah. Uh, Archie published his autobiography, A Perfect Gentleman. Oh right? my God. Oh, that makes me so mad. I think it's because like he studied etiquette and he was a butler. He was like the perfect gentleman, but it's like, man, Fuck you, dude. You're not. You're a murderer. Yeah. He published that in 1999 while in prison and he died of a stroke in 2002. So I, <laughs> uh, you're a little, oh, by the way, we're recording this episode in Cambridge today. Yeah, we are. So we Back have Lux's, my birthday. Lux's dog, Bear, uh, who is just ripping a toy to shreds. Fun fact. His name is actually Pooh Bear because my sister likes Winnie the Pooh. But There's a choice um, between Bear and Pooh. You're going to call your dog Bear. Yeah. Hmm. I don't yeah. like that. My dog's name is technically Pooh. Yeah, it's odd. Anyway, I'm really close to the end. Bear, cool it, yeah? Cool it. I know you're upset by this case. I am too. But you don't have to take it out on the little toy pig. So, uh, in 2002, he died of a stroke at the age of 78. Fun fact, before his death, he was the oldest prisoner in the UK serving a life sentence. Wow. Yeah. So that was Archibald Hall, also known as the Monster Butler. A very entertaining tale. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's such an interesting story. Like, 
it's so interesting because there's not a lot of information about his back his background, but you look into how he killed people uh, in terms of like strangulation. He seems to be fine with it. How he was so ready to kill the woman that he'd been in a relationship with, yeah. his brother. He's clearly he's so very ready sociopathic. To kill. And actually he spent his entire life learning how to assimilate in a culture that he wanted to be part of. Mm. And that's something that sociopaths do all the time. Yeah. But their culture is less reductive than his. Their culture is just being human. Yeah, yep, yep. They're trying to assimilate themselves into the culture of being a person with emotions. And he's just narrowed his field of view and said, I want to be assimilated and I want to know how to emulate and act like a rich person. Yeah. But that's all he wants. He's literally just learning how to like slip into a different skin. Yeah. His sociopathic tendencies meant that he couldn't accept the idea of just working hard and making money. Yeah. He wanted that life. Especially and he was unable to not do it without stealing. Being highbrow as well is something that people tend to think isn't earned. It's just you're born into aristocracy. Yeah. And it's sort of, if you're new money, so to speak, and you work your way up to the same level of, as, of wealth as these families who have been wealthy for a, as far back as you can think, they are not... They haven't been raised the correct way. So even though they yeah. have the same amount of money as you, they're not actually high class. I'm sure that infuriated him, actually, to Yeah, be probably. I'm sure that upset the hell out of him. Yeah. Like, the idea that he would never truly be accepted as part of the, you know, high society. Yeah. Yeah. But that was Archie. Um, yeah, that was my story. Cool. I enjoyed nice your one. story as well. It was a little short, yeah, but it's your so birthday. Sorry Who that cares? It was short. Oh, I, it's I mean, fine. I wrote it out and I thought it would be longer, but I... It just, Mine was super long, so it's fine. Well, we have some thank yous to do, but first, let's have a little break. So, some thank you for five-star reviews. Yeah, we wanted to thank some people for giving us some five-star reviews. It's always lovely when they do. Uh, so I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Alma Luna 29 uh, Tally Lucky Banshee, Angel Riri, Vinifet. These are some crazy names, but I love it. So thank you guys so much for liking our podcast. I've got Ash K from Blood on the Rocks, which is also a Murderly Network podcast. Mm. Woo woo. And then I've got Katie Con as well as Hunter, exclamation point. And um, we also had an email, didn't we, Sam? We got our first email. And in the email, it was a lovely message from Haiti. And it was basically saying, I wanted to be your first email. And it was so lovely. And it, it was, was just, a really it was a nice really email. Lovely, supportive email. And we wanted to say thank you so much for that email. It was really, really lovely. She actually suggested a case. Which we might cover. And I think we're probably going to cover it at some point. So thank you so much for the suggestion. If any of you other guys have uh, things you wanted to send in like that, you're more than welcome. We'll look into it. Uh, yeah, so thank you again for that lovely email. Yeah, that was really sweet. So you can find us on Instagram at Killing It Crimecast. You can find us on Twitter at Killing It Crime. If you would like to send us an email like Heidi did, it's killingitcrimecast at gmail.com. You can rate and review us on iTunes. Please give us a five star. We will give you a cheeky little shout out if you do. Yep. Uh, thank you very much. And we'll see you guys next time. We'll, everyone wish Lux a happy birthday. Yell it. Yell it if you're in public. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're on the toilet. Yell it now. Good. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.